Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And hey, we're all here for once and such a touching moment because this is the last time we're going to be recording. Together. Together in person. Uh, you got to build yeah. up the suspense, Doug. Come on. Well, I'm sorry, but you said it and I was like, that's too sad, even for me. And I'm living it. And I know that it's not our last time recording. It's just our first time, all of us being together. You mean the last time? And, huh? You mean the last time? <laughs> That's the first time. Yes, yeah, you, you did. did. <laughs> this is the first time that we're all together. Uh, who, who are these people? Um, but uh, but no, uh, our little Benny boy has grown up and he's moving away. Uh, I accepted little, a big boy job down south. Yep, our young our young Ben Benjamin uh, is off into the world. He's gonna make his parents proud, uh, and by his parents, I of course mean oh, us. Um, yeah. Elijah, and who are both Rebecca watching, Lincoln. right? And and Uncle Tristy, yeah, yeah. All right. And your second dad, Doug. Yeah. You know who's seven years younger than you. That's fine. So to mark this very momentous occasion, we have picked a. I don't want to say it was a non-momentous movie, but it because it definitely did give us a moment. It just was not <laughs> a good movie. Uh. Yeah. What movie was it? It was Aragon. I I kind of hate it whenever I build up what movie we're seeing because I have to announce what the movie is. Um, but yeah, so we watched 2006 Aragon. It failed. Uh, I know usually I kind of save that little nugget of information, but uh, not this time. No, 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 no. Uh, this movie stars Ed Spielers, Jeremy Irons, or Jeremy F.E. Uh, that's the chemical symbol for iron. Good one. Me too. Two F.E. Two F.E., excuse me. Uh, Sienna Gilderstein. Um, <laughs> Gilderstein? Gilder- oh, Gillery. Shut up. Robert Carlyle, John Malkovich, uh, a bunch of, bunch of unknowns. Um, well, and dire- sorry, uh, just real quick. Um, this movie also includes Christopher Egan from Letters to Juliet and uh, the voice of Rachel Weiss. And here's the one I was looking for. Joss Stone, the singer, plays Angela. Um, Joss um, Stone, the like pop blues. Ah, uh, yes. Our favorite character, Angela. Um, <laughs> this movie was released in 2006, had a budget of $100 million. What? <laughs> you know, I believe that. It was a, a lot of that money went into CGI. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, guys. Um, I most certainly, I don't really believe that budget, but I do believe how much it made because it made $75 million. I also believe that. This movie failed. It currently holds a 5.1 on IMDb, a 38 meta score, um, a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 77% on Google. Because as we all know, Google is incredibly generous. Uh, But yeah, uh. Elijah, I think you're the only one of us who has watched this before, so why don't you elaborate for us on your past experiences with the movie and the Aragon franchise as a whole? Okay, I will. Um, and I, I promised myself that I wouldn't rant about the book too much, because that's not what this podcast is for, but I am going to talk about the book a lot. So, Well, you know, it's okay, because you are a <clears throat> book reader. Sometimes. Um, the And I'm, I'm a big fan of fantasy fiction, and a lot of us are. And and so that's that's relevant. We're going to talk about that more later. But the the book Aragon is the first in what is called the Inheritance Cycle. Christopher Paolini wrote it. Um, 
he started writing it when he was like 15 and started publishing when he was 19, I think. And it was a big deal because he was so young and published this big book. It was a big deal when he was so young. He was too young and um, needed a little more experience, I think. So the book was kind of a problem, but it was really popular with kids about my age when it came out. And uh, I read the whole series. It was originally planned as a trilogy because everybody thinks they have to write three book series and then he was like no we're gonna make it four books so it's the inheritance cycle book four book series is called a cycle uh, and um or a quadrilogy it didn't need to be that long i i won't rant about it but he wasted a ton no no go go on a ton go on you, you of can, writing you rant. in these books i mean literally there's an entire chapter in one of the books about ants and it has nothing to do with anything that's going on in the story. So it's wild. Um, and I kind of like enjoyed the books when I read them. But even then I was like, why am I reading so much about ants in this fantasy book? Uh, I didn't understand that. And now looking back, I'm like, you know what? Those books were just not very good. Now you're looking back and you're like, I really don't think I needed the ants. So the, the books were a little too much. Um, and as we'll discuss... They relied really heavily on cliches and material that was pretty much ripped off from already established stories. And then they made this movie where they cut out a bunch of stuff and they kept like all of the cliches. So some of the things in the story were like interesting and original and a lot of those got cut for the movie. So the movie's worse than the books. There was a video game based on this movie and it was way better than the movie. That's how bad the movie is. I believe a video game of this movie would be a lot better than this movie. Yeah. Was the video game bad? No, I mean, I enjoyed it. But, you know, they make mo- they make video games based on movies just to make a quick buck because the movie was making money. So, that you know, it's not like people put a lot of effort into those games. Yeah. But this game was better than the movie for sure. Wow. They also didn't put a lot of effort into this movie. <laughs> well, they tried. They put a lot of money into it. Yeah. Money does not equal effort. Okay. And money will only get you so far. So, obviously, this is a fantasy fiction, uh, which Elijah mentioned earlier. Now, we're all pretty big fantasy nerds. Something I noticed watching this movie, it hits a lot of the same story points as Star Wars A New Hope. You've got this young man who lives with his uncle, uh, who uh, is met with this predicament this being who is being sought after by this outside force this mcguffin right, if you will right who is being sought by the evil forces of the world uh and after finding it he meets this mysterious old man with a beard who takes him away and uh at one point after he realizes that the evil people are after him he goes to find his uncle dead and then eventually burned um and they have to go um save up this woman who's been captured uh they have to go find the rebels like it is like so many story points yes and lots of critics of the book and the movie have pointed that out um and i'll I'll bring this up again later i i found on the wikipedia page newsday addressed this point asserting that quote only nine-year-olds with no knowledge whatsoever of any of the six star wars movies would find the film original (laughs) 
Yes, and original, this is not. Also, okay, for anyone who's saying that, you know, we're being unfair this movie because that's basically just the classic hero story, no. Because there's the hero story where the hero has to go on this journey, they have to they have to uh, find some MacGuffin and do something uh, to become a hero. Yeah, that's one thing. This literally is beat for beat a new hope. That's a, I like the first like 45 minutes. Of okay, that's a good point, Doug, because when we talked about Star Wars, we talked about the, the hero's journey and how Star Wars actually added some new and interesting things to it. And this does use a lot of those same things. You said this guy was 19 when he wrote this book. It, yeah, I, he started writing it when he was 15, I think, and then I think he was 19 when it was published. Yeah. Yeah. Sums it up. Sums and it up. lots of critics have pointed out the similarities to Star Wars. Um, and years later, years after the books were finished, he admitted that he pulled things from Star Wars. And the world said, no kidding. He also <laughs> pulled a lot from the Lord of the Rings. And I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. Tristan's seen him. Doug hates him. Ben, we're going to watch him soon. With a passion. I don't know so how hate Doug them. hates them. I'm not going to, because they're long, I think. Anyway, it's one of the reasons. I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it just for Ben, just for Ben's sake. But Tristan, you've seen Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. You noticed a lot of the same things going on, right? Yeah, I noticed a few things. And part of that is just J.R.R. Tolkien was one of the founders of fantasy fiction literature. He was one of the guys that sparked it. There were not orcs before Tolkien. Right. No hobbits. So, and and ever since no him... English language. Ever since him, everybody who does fantasy has pulled from him. Yeah. It's really hard not to, um, and it's it's to the point where it's if you've seen Lord of the Rings or read it, it's extremely easy to make fun of just about everything else in the fantasy genre because you can find things they pulled from Tolkien. And so there is a, a pretty serious problem with a lack of creativity in the fantasy fiction genre, and you can see that in here. There's a lot of stuff in here that's just straight from Lord of the Rings. I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, the only fantasy uh, series other than Lord of the Rings that gets a pass for maybe pulling things from Lord of the Rings... I think is Chronicles of Narnia, and I think that's just because of C.S. Lewis's actual connection with Tolkien. Well, that didn't pull things from Lord of the Rings because they were written at the same time, yeah, um, and and <laughs> published in the same decade, yeah. Um, so and the, well, they were. I all right. Well, I'll see myself. This out. just happens to be something that <laughs> I will. I will see myself out of my apartment. He um, there there are similarities, but they're mostly different and. Tolkien didn't even like Chronicles of Narnia, even though he was friends with C.S. Lewis. He was like, you shouldn't publish this. Anyway. Um, so the, the problems, you mentioned, at least before the podcast, that there were problems with Aragon. That You, you said you enjoyed it when you were younger, when you read it. Right. But now looking back, you don't really. True. And is that because of these yeah. um, similarities? Part of it was, that quote I just read, I was that nine-year-old who hadn't seen Star oh. Wars. And after having seen Star Wars, now I see how much of this came from that. I was already familiar with Lord of the Rings, and I could see how much of Aragon came from that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it pulls from the typical, like, King Arthur and Beowulf, those kinds of sources, which everybody in fantasy fiction does. And it's fine, but it's also very cliched, very hackneyed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a magic sword... Um, there's, you know, there's the evil emperor that the, the, uh, rebels have to take out that star Wars also does. And also the magic wizard who works for the evil emperor. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, there's, there's just not a whole lot of stuff that's original. And actually 
there are some things in the book that were really interesting and original, and those things were cut for the movie. So the movie's even more hackneyed than the book. Um, I I was also going to point out while we're talking about Star Wars that as the series goes on, there are more similarities. For example, and some of you may have predicted this, Brom turns out to be Aragon's father. Oh, so there. Okay, that's not what I was gonna. Right ask. now, it's it's I not this. Assume that um, Garbodor or whatever his name <laughs> was. Uh, we kept making different uh, names because we couldn't actually remember his name. Um, but I was gonna assume that he was the father. Okay, that that's a good guess because of Darth Vader. Right. Um, and really, if you're making parallels to Star Wars, the shade that gets killed at the yeah, end of this movie uh, would be the parallel to Darth Vader. Um, I was also thinking maybe uh, Marzan or Marzan, whatever his name was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that ended up being the father of the other dude that randomly showed up. Right, yeah, he right, really right. did randomly show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Two-thirds of the way in the movie, they said, we're going to plop a new character in here for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you have to get to know and care about. It's like, yeah. look, we, we, know, we know that you don't know what's going on, so we're just going to make sure that you don't know what's going on, and uh, we're going to plop. Yeah, so all that to say, this the story even in the book, does pull an awful lot from Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, sources like that. So there's a lot of fantasy cliches that are just kind of regurgitated in the story, and that's why the book is often criticized, and the movie even more so. 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought okay. I thought Brom was uh, was going to be his uh, the king. I thought that's what I said earlier. Interesting. I thought he would turn out to be the, the um, dethroned king. And... and can we talk about the cast? Yeah. yeah. I just want to say, Jeremy Irons is one of the things I genuinely like about this movie. Me too. I think he does a great job. Yeah. I enjoyed every time he was on screen. I, so, I, yeah. so I do I do just want to kind of point this out, uh, and the fact that I find it very funny that Jeremy Irons, uh, two of the more expensive movies that he's been in his career uh, were this and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh both of which failed miserably, but were fantasy fiction uh, films based on properties that probably shouldn't have been turned into films. Uh, well, you know they're making a new Dungeons & Dragons movie. I heard about well, that. Well, will they have Jeremy Irons in it? If not, I'm not sold. Um, uh, real quick, I, I, I was going to mention this earlier. There's a thing, we all play Dungeons & Dragons, there's a thing in D&D lore where elves don't sleep. They just go into a trance at night. I've never heard that in anything other than D&D. Like, I'm a super huge nerd about myth and folklore and stuff. So I read that stuff a lot, just in my free time, and I've never come across anything about elves don't sleep. It's just in D&D, and guess what else? Aragon. So I'm pretty sure he took that from D&D and put it in his book as well. Who, who are the elves in this? So he's, oh, that's a great question. They never tell you. Arya, the girl. That they have to save. Princess Leia? Princess Leia is an elf. They never tell you that in Who the movie. Who is Angela then? There's also dwarves in this movie and they never tell you. <laughs> Wait a minute, because I do want to know that. Who Angela. is Angela? Also, uh, I remember Angela was actually um, the name of the author's sister. And he literally put her in there as an insert. Wait, just a minute. Inserting his sister into the wait, story. Wait, wait, just... Okay, because that makes too much sense. Real quick, sidebar. For anyone who has ever read any piece of 
fantasy literature or fantasy anything, you know that there are a bunch of names that are made pointlessly <laughs> convoluted and complicated just so they can see how many consonants and vowels they can shove next to each other. So in this movie, you got things like Aragon. You have things like uh, like Galvatronics or Ga- or Greg. Um you have the shade dude whose name I don't remember. You have the, uh, you have Dirt. so many characters that make no sense. You have the magic words, and then you have this random woman just plopped in there. Her name's Angela. Angie, right? And she's a she's like a fortune teller. You think she's gonna have some super mystic name? I'm sorry. Okay, look, I'm on a level with y'all. I did not pay attention to this movie the majority of the time until Wade. Uh, McGlamory, who was watching it with us, just stops everything and goes, hold on, who is Angela? Yeah, Yeah, could you answer that? Because I don't know who Angela is still. Uh, So in the movie, she's just like the fortune teller who who gives a creepy prophecy or something. She just shows up? Yeah, she's different in the book. But either way, she's apparently just there. So that Christopher Palini could just insert his sister into the story as a favor to her. Hey guys, what's up? It's your old pal Ben. Y'all already know why I'm here. I'm here to give you some announcements. First, I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening. What we do would not be possible without you guys and the support that you give us. Uh, I have one quick announcement, and that is that we are partnering with our friends over at MP Theater Group to put on a live episode of Setting the Skeen this Saturday at 8.30. Uh, If you haven't seen the announcement already, we're going to be talking about Sweeney Todd. It's going to be great. You do not want to miss it. You can check us out on the Facebook page for Viter Media and the Facebook page for MP Theater Group. Again, that's Saturday at 8.30. Don't miss it. Now, if you're interested in signing up for a Patreon, you can get all sorts of cool bonus content, behind the scenes, early access episodes, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, you can check that out at patreon.com slash fightermedia. Some other great ways you can support us are just keep on doing what you're doing, you know, keep listening, uh, follow us on social media, uh, check out our merch store. You can go to fightermedia.com slash merch. Now, that's all I've got for you this week. Uh, be sure to keep up with all the Vider Media products. Uh, it's going to be a great year. And now let's get back to the show. Can I just say that the more I know about this and the fact that this dude was like 15 when he wrote this book, when he wrote these books, I'm being less critical of them at this point because I'm just like, oh, so he was an idiot. So yeah, he was just a really ambitious kid, a talented, gifted writer, but not experienced, and he made some mistakes. One thing he did, yeah, okay. those magic words they say mm-hmm. are supposed to be part of this ancient language that the elves know, and he created a fictional language for the story, for the magic to revolve around, mm-hmm. again, trying to be Tolkien, but Tolkien was a philologist, he studied ancient languages he taught it um at a prestigious university this was a 15 year old kid from montana who probably only spoke english and so he didn't know like how languages work 
and didn't know how to put together a functional language. So that's another thing that people kind of poke fun at him for. Hold on a second. Hold on. This boy, this little 15-year-old not knowing, not knowing jack crap from Montana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, you know who I am? You know, you know who I am as great as? Do you know who I am? Let him have it, Doug. I am the great J.R.R. Tolkien, descended from his loins into the, into the godsend state of the universe. Montana! Yeah. Montana! So... Yeah, that's and he's not the only writer who thinks he's the next Tolkien. Um, he is one of the more successful ones, though. But the ego, the... I mean, I'm angry, I'm disappointed, but I'm also kind of impressed. I'm like, I'm like, okay. I think I'm just it's, more disappointed than anything, because, I mean, he made his success, like Elijah said, off of the nine-year-olds who don't know anything about right. Star Wars, Lord well, of the Rings, and the like. Yeah, that's true. Has he actually written anything since these books? Yes. I was in Barnes & Noble the other day and saw a book that he wrote, something new. I haven't looked into it, um, but I'm sure it's better. He is a talented writer. I mean, to have a, a book of this magnitude published when you're a teenager... I mean, I've seen the books. They're like... Thick. Yeah, they're too thick because he loaded them up with things that had nothing to do with the story. But still, it's it's impressive. You know, he's he's talented. He just um, he he did some weird things and some uncreative things. Got to get that ant writing in. Yeah, that's, the whole that's ticket. There's there's literally an entire chapter where Aragon sits and looks at ants and learns how their society works, and it's really boring and it has nothing to do with the story. It's incredible. So kind of unrelated to uh, what we were talking about, uh, before watching this, how many of us thought Aragon was the name of the dragon? Someone told me that I it did. wasn't. Someone okay, told okay. me that it wasn't. That was the only thing I knew about this, is someone told me that Aragon's the name of the kid, not the dragon. Gotcha. Because ever since I saw those thick books, that's thick with uh, two Qs, uh, <laughs> when I was in like middle school, I always thought Aragon was the dragon. Yeah. And then... <laughs> We start the movie and uh, Uncle calls this boy Aragon. I'm like, oh, didn't expect that. Yeah, and <laughs> just real quick, another thing that people point out that's similar to the Lord of the Rings, Aragon has a crush on Arya, in, and in the Lord of the Rings, you've got a character Aragorn who's involved with Arwen. So, question: little things like that wow. that, that people are like, this isn't this isn't that big of a thing. Um, had had J.R. had George R. R. Martin. Um, released the first book of uh, Song of Ice and Fire book by then. Uh, by the by, the first Aragon. Yeah, book? yeah. I, yeah. Okay, I just want to know if he also partially stole Arya from Martin. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the um, hubris, the nuance. So anyway, the hubris. The hubris th- that's what this series should be called. Hubris. The series. <laughs> uh. Are th- Anyway, cast. Is there anybody besides Jeremy Irons that you guys liked? Uh, well, I I like. Um, got this. I mean, me too. Me too. <laughs> What's his name? John Malkovich. John Malkovich. 
I like John Malkovich. The king of pretentious banter. But I mean... He's barely in it. I don't know what... I mean, he's fine, I guess, but like, why is he doing this? Like, I think he's a really good actor. I like John Malkovich, but what? Yeah. He was he was whatever. Um, I kind of feel I feel the same way about Robert Carlyle in this movie. Wade likes Robert Carlyle. He was in something that he Wade likes. Um, I don't remember. And we we could probably mention a few other names that are like that. Um, I mean Rachel Vice is uh, pretty good. I I will say that uh, the time this movie came out, I mean she was kind of riding high. She was in both. She was in all the Mummy movies. Um, so and um, those were big. And so she's the voice of Sephira, who is the dragon. Um, and unpopular opinion, because one, one thing that a lot of people do criticize about the movie, and especially fans of the books, who and you know how book fans are. They're real persnickety. A lot of fans of the books did not like the CGI. They didn't like the design of Sephira, the dragon. Personally, I think that's one of the coolest things about this movie. I thought the CGI was good, and I thought the dragon looks really cool. Um, a lot of people were like, and some of y'all pointed it out, I think, her wings look like bird wings. Like they have yeah, feathers I, instead I of... That. Here's the thing. I would never have noticed it if Wade didn't point it out while we were yeah. watching. And a lot of people hate that, but I'm like, I don't know. I think that's, that's kind of a cool you know, aesthetic choice. Um, I think that's one of those things that book readers get... You know, they they get all tied up in a wad over little things like that that don't matter as much. Um, anyway, other than that, I'm not particularly fond of the effects in this movie. What did y'all think of these? No, I, I, well, they were fine. They were, they didn't stand out to me. They didn't stand out to me as bad, uh, except for one part where they were flying through a canyon or something. And he was going like warp speed through this canyon, and I was like, "That is trying spinning because that's a cool trick." I was like, I was like, "That doesn't look oh, that doesn't look right." <laughs> Something the wrong. The respect I have for you right now, yeah, man, that was is good. so high. <laughs> I try, man. I love it. Um, so I, it's very funny that this is the second movie that we've talked about on this podcast. Fourth, if you if you subscribe to our Patreon, um. But this is the second movie that we've uh, talked about on this podcast involving a dragon, and I just think it—I just think it fair that you know I talked a lot about how gorgeous the animation looks and how to train your dragon, especially when Hiccup and Toothless are flying, um, and it's just so bad. Um, yeah, it sucks so much to see Aragon. And um, Safira flying in this movie. What little time they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The effects and the animation in Aragon is not nearly one quarter as memorable as the animation from... Well, no, 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 no. It, it is memorable. Not just in a good way. Just for the worst possible ways. Ah, oh, man. Uh, also, real quick, this is just a small gripe, but uh, it... I would equate Aragon's eyes to turning to slitted, bl- stark blue eyes. Um, yeah, yeah, I ain't sleeping right for the next couple of weeks. Um, because that's straight nightmare fuel. You know the timing for things like that. Like it, it just an instant. We just saw the the camera popped onto his face, and suddenly he was a monster. Um, and uh, yeah, as you said, you were scared. Of that, 
And then just in an instant, uh, Jeremy Irons had a, a tree go through his body. Um, and in an instant, uh, Drews, was that the guy's name? Who? The, the, the bad, bad guy? Yes. Durza. Durza. Durza uh, had an arrow just fly directly through, through his, his skull. The, the most sickeningly... And... Well, uh, the face, the face Durza made was... It was so sickeningly intoxicated. <laughs> I hated it. I wanted to take his 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 face off. Face off. Well, <sighs> you know how you said how uh, much respect you had for me when oh, I said Oh, I know. That? You're moving. I My goal is to make it go down. Oh, okay. Well, the goal is to make it decrease. All these okay. things that I mentioned happen in like a quarter of a second. <clears throat> and it's it's just it's it's like I don't have pacing issues with this movie not really like I mean it is weird that the dragon ages however long when it flies up into the air and I don't get that shot. I guess it's magic sure. that yeah that was a weird thing they added in the movie it wasn't in the book cool well I didn't like it yeah <laughs> and uh, but I mean the pacing was fine other than just the timing on some of these some of these actions and shots were just weird. Yeah. So, talking about John Malkovich, part of the reason his presence in this movie is so weird is because he is the ultimate antagonist in the series of four books. But we don't see the rest of them depicted on screen. They only made the first movie. Right, and they banked on the success of the book series, and they decided to go ahead and start building up for sequels that... Ultimately, didn't happen. You know, in in wrapping up uh, the year 2020, I binged so much television because I was like, I just want to watch a lot of good TV that came out in 2020. Um, and one of the shows that came out was I Am Not Okay With This. Now, I Am Not Okay With This ends on a cliffhanger. And I, I watched it, and I've thought about this before. But That's a good show. I, but it was very clear to me, and I Am Not Okay With This, you know, it's very gutsy to end anything um, and any artistic project that you're doing on a cliffhanger because you're almost daring the the production company to be like, go ahead, cancel it. Go ahead, do it. Yeah. And I think it's very risky for television shows to do it uh, because with I Am Not Okay With This, they got canceled. Um, with, oh, did they? Yeah, they got canceled. Uh, not because of low ratings or anything. They got canceled because COVID shut down production on it. Oh, so they can um, come back. No, they're, Netflix has said they're not renewing it. Um, what? But um, but uh, back in the 90s, there was a show called Duckman, and they literally ended their fourth season on a cliffhanger so big that it would have changed the entire plot of the show, but... The studio was like, no, we're not renewing you. Um, Duckman, really? They didn't renew Duckman? They didn't. But I don't know very, anything about it. It was a very popular show Duck when Man. it was out. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but anyway, so it's risky for a TV show to do it, but I think it is ten times riskier for a movie to do it. Yeah. And we've seen it with n- remarkably terrible movies, the ones that come to mind are, of course... M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender uh, and uh, Masters of the Universe, the He-Man 
movie with Dolph Lundgren. Which both tried to uh, carry off the success of their predecessors. We've also talked before about the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man uh, tried to set up for everything that did not happen. Um, what else? Huh. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about movies on this show that have done that. But, you know, it's risky. It's so freaking risky to do that. Um and I mean, do you think the movie is to be commended for they're trying to be like, no, we have to keep this, we have to have another installment, or do you think it's kind of lazy? I don't think it's lazy. I, I, I mean, I think it's just risky. But you look at a, a, a series like The Avengers, where the Marvel is just like that, or Disney, you know, it's just pumping money into it. Because it's their main cash cow, or at the time, you know. So it's like, we're going to put money to this. It's going to happen. We're going to make more. Whatever happens to, in these movies, we're going to finish it. Yeah. Like, well, I, we're going to at least conclude it. quite as much of that in the earlier Marvel films. Right. And then once they started yeah, they building up build success. Yeah, build up to that point of like, oh, we can leave you on a cliff. Right, because Iron Man, the original, could have stood alone. If you had the ending of Infinity War three movies into the MCU, I don't know that you have it pay off. I don't know that you have an ending to that. Well, I don't know, but you have the Ed Norton Hulk, where he's also talking about the Avengers, or the general talks to him about the Avengers. Okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, um, it, that's the second one. I mean, I don't think it's quite setting up as much as... Uh, hinting like, at, like, right, it's we're going to try hinting. to do this. Yeah, it's not. They're not saying like, we have a big cash cow coming. Right, and they also these are comic book movies, so they can pull things from the comics just to make comic book nerds go, sure. "Oh my gosh!" Whereas, like here, like you, you're setting up the main villain for the entire series. Well, like using your example of the Avengers, we don't see Thanos until the Avengers, at which point it's already you know starting to become a big thing. Yeah, and you know, Star Wars. Um, that that was originally one movie, and Darth Vader was the antagonist. Yeah. We don't see the Emperor. Well, Darth in, Vader is the antagonist, depending on how you look at it. It could have also been Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay, but the the Emperor, right? Right. The like, Emperor doesn't show up in, in, until briefly in Empire. Yeah, in both stories, in Star Wars and Aragon, the evil Emperor is kind of the ultimate antagonist lurking in the background. But in Star Wars, uh, they didn't. They didn't try to put that in the original because they didn't know they were getting no, more movies. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, I mean, you look at originally Star Wars, but you look at Aragon. You look at any movie that has more to come, or it's expected to have more to come, and it's a smaller studio, or they're taking a risk on it, you know, or something like that. I think it's risky for that movie to say we're going to end it on a cliffhanger or we're going to expect a sequel and then potentially not get one. But you have, you know, like I said, like the Avengers or or Star Wars later on, they're going to make another one. You know, they're going to do it like you, you can count on it. <laughs> yeah. So, OK, so can, can I ask this? Because I know that I brought up uh, Chronicles of Narnia earlier kind of as a joke. But now I kind of want to be slightly serious about it. Okay, so the year before Aragon came out, uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe came out. Yeah. It was hugely popular, made 
pretty decent chunk of change. And what's funny is, is that book series wasn't as hot as Aragon was at the time. So do you think that Chronicles of Narnia hindered this movie at all? Because I can see a general audience member seeing Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe going, that was good. Seeing Aragon and being like, well, I just saw another fantasy movie. That should be pretty good. Right. And then going and being like, oh, wait. No. I don't think it hindered it as much as it just kind of set the bar a little bit higher. Because I like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's clearly not Lord of the Rings. But Lord of the right. Rings had been out for like three or four years right. by this point. But Aragon, I would not say, is a good movie. No. Not even close. Um, yeah, it's, it's not... Correct me if I'm wrong. I also think The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a little truer to its source material. Yes, very much so. And the source material is, I'm just going to say, better. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, know, 100% it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a more interesting story. It's a more compelling story. It's built for, I would argue, a more intellectual audience because... Also good I mean, for children, though. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, we've already mentioned a couple times how Aragon was written for nine-year-olds who don't know anything about Star Wars. Yeah. Or Lord of the Rings. British children in the 1940s were just smarter than those <laughs> nine-year-olds like me. So, yeah. Let's face it. Let's face it. The Brit, the Brits of the 40s, they they knew what was up. <laughs> yeah. Brits of they the have, 40s. We have, know. <laughs> look, we know that when we look at analytics for this podcast, 90% of our viewership, British <laughs> people born in the 1940s. Yeah. Thank you to all of you 80-year-old people. Um, well, you know, they had it a lot harder than, than we did. Honestly, if you were born in the forties and you're a Brit, yeah, you 100% had it a lot harder than we do. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Doug, I think that's a good point. Um, the Lord of the Rings came out and then Chronicles of Narnia. I don't remember when the first Harry Potter movie came out, but that could have something to do with it. You know, if this movie was going to come out and have any chance of winning, of like succeeding, it came out at the time that it needed to come out market wise. Uh-huh. It just, you know, failed. Yeah, well, it's it's not as interesting as any of those other fantasy stories. Well, I think one thing uh, we also kind of briefly mentioned on earlier that I want to touch on again. Uh, Elijah, you mentioned that there are some interesting parts from the book that are just completely left out. So, like, why do we think that got left out from the source material when this movie was made? I mean, I'll I'll say that I think whenever you're adapting a book to a movie... You always have to pick and choose certain things to cut from a movie. Like, I'm going to level with you. Uh, another book series that was adapted into a very not good um, film series was the Divergent series. Um, and two of my favorite scenes from Insurgent that are very important to the film, completely off the table in the movie. Uh, just like Percy Jackson, ton of those books are not in the movies. Like, you do not get the fight between Percy, Ares, and uh, Aphrodite in a, car, in a uh, theme park in the film. And I am, to this day, upset by that. And Rebecca Wingett, a member of our uh, studio audience, agrees with that. <laughs> so, Elad, um, you're the only one that's read the book. Uh, do you think adding those bits would have made this movie any better? Well, I'm trying to think about specific moments, and um, most of the moments that I'm thinking about were from later books, which were, for the most part, as I said, bloated. 
but there were some interesting and original ideas that came in some of the later books. The cousin ends up having his own story arc that's more compelling than Aragon's. Question. Do you think that this is a book series that needed to be turned into a film franchise? Okay. I think it could have been turned into good movies or maybe a miniseries, but they're going to have to cut out. If they're going to do it, you're going to have to choose different things to cut out so that it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering, Ben, because you posed that question, if maybe they wanted to keep just the bare hero's journey or the things that look like Star Wars because they were banking on that familiarity to suck people in, but it backfired if that's what they were trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I also just feel like with this, that's the wrong thing to bank on because, I mean, I, I can't speak to 2006. I wasn't really paying that much attention. Uh, I was in sixth grade. Uh, I wasn't really paying much attention um, like to, you know, Hollywood and what all was going on there. But at this point, people, while they still go and see these uh, ideas that have been played over and over, people are hungry for original content. And this is about as far the opposite of original content as you can find. So I, I guess my question is just like, why? Why does this exist? Yeah. Is it time to rank it? Yeah, because I don't have a good answer for that question. Well, let's score this sucker. Yeah, uh, so if this is your first time listening, we use a 100-point scale. Um, you can kind of think of it like an American-grade scale. 100 means it is perfect. There are no flaws. It can't be any higher than that, Doug. Uh, and then a 1 means it is a <laughs> steaming pile of turds. So Ugh, gross, Doug, right? Steaming, steaming, disgusting. Yeah. Steaming and stinking. All right, because right. the movie stinks. Get it? So I'll I'll go first. So we've established that, like, even though, like, you know, it's an American grade school, that's that's what you can think of. Like, we've also established that, like, fifty is the realm of it's a nothing movie, and I get that. But in my mind, fifty means that there are like there are things that are okay in it, and there are things that are just bad in it. It's just, you know, it's kind of nothing. Which is why I cannot tell... I do not think there's really anything good in this movie. Did I have a good time watching it? Oh, heck yes. But none of it is the credit of the movie. So I think I'm going to give this movie a 10. Good. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) What? Oh. I think that 16% on Rotten Tomatoes is honestly a little high. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I will give this movie a 10. A right. lot lower than I was expecting. Um, kind of going on the same page, but giving it a better score. Um, I have no desire to ever watch this movie again. Honestly, I don't remember a whole lot of what happened. Um, there are a couple parts that were I enjoyed. I enjoyed Jeremy Irons. Um, I thought he did a good job. And I am a sucker for fantasy stories because if they're done well, they're so good. But that's I, a big if, though. Man, and that's coming from someone who hasn't seen Lord of the Rings yet. Right. Um, yeah. And I just feel like this almost misses the mark on every single thing. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a 43. 
Okay, yeah, I had actually settled on 46 myself. Um, so put me down for 46. I love Jeremy Irons in this. I, sh- I maybe shouldn't say love. It probably seems more like love than like because compared to the rest of what's going on, he yeah. seems so great. Um, but I think he was a great choice. I like the CGI of the dragon. I think the dragon looks great. Um, it's probably a couple other small things I could point out that I thought were good, but for the most part, it's not good, and it's not really worth watching. Uh, I was entertained by this movie. I'll say it. Uh, I don't. I don't want to really watch it again. But yeah, no. <laughs> I had a few glasses of wine uh, as this movie started, and I tell you what, I had a good time. Uh, <laughs> That's what it takes. <laughs> had a good time. So maybe if I have a few glasses of wine and I watch it again, I like it. I like it, and I'll have a good time. Um, so, but I, I'm gonna give it a, a 52, uh, which oh. is the highest. Yeah. Which was was what I picked before. <laughs> I didn't know I would be the highest one. Uh, but all for the same reasons Elijah said, pretty much. Like, I like Jeremy Irons. Um, he was probably the best thing about this movie. But he didn't really do anything that stood out. He just acted his role. Yeah. And, he died halfway through, and then it was like, what yeah. am I watching anymore? <laughs> right, exactly. But I was still entertained, and I, and I wasn't necessarily bored. But I was on the verge of boredom, so <laughs> I was close. All right, well, uh, after plugging that into the patented scorometer, weighed down by Doug's uh, very low score, that gives us a final score of 37.75. You bring up my very low score like I'm in any way ashamed of that. Oh, yeah. no, I know. No, 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 no. I feel like a 37 is pretty good for this movie real quick hold on this has nothing to do with the podcast that we were just doing but i wanted to say it and i was gonna say it off the air but you know i figure we're all friends okay rebecca please be in our studio audience every time we record because it's so like when i say it is adorable listeners every time elijah made like a really good point he would turn back and look at rebecca like like that was a good point right well, she I, almost was never looking at him for it, but it yeah, was still cute. It was still very that's cute. That's the way the relationship works. It was very cute. I, I only remember looking at her when you brought up Percy Jackson. Yeah. Because she likes Percy Jackson. Books. But, um, my parents are I've cute. Done it's okay. But, uh, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So, y'all, we talked about a terrible fantasy movie this week, but guys, <laughs> next week. Oh. I'm so excited. My gosh. Ben and I are the only two that have seen this. Yeah. We have experienced it fully. I can't yeah. wait to you see this movie. Oh, I it's can, I can so wait the rest of- freaking good. I could wait the rest I've of I've heard life. the opposite, but I can't wait Doug, to see Doug, ask me what it is. Ben, what are we watching next week? They're eating her. Then they're going to eat me. Oh, oh my God. God. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are watching Troll 2. I'm so excited. I'm so freaking excited. Troll 2, the first installment in the Troll movies, right? No, there actually is an original one about Harry Potter and Harry Potter Sr. Um, 100% true. (laughs) I'm not lying. I looked it up on IMDb because we talked about that. Yeah, we did. Um, Um, But uh, but yeah, Ben, I'm so excited. It's going to be so Me too. Uh, Be sure to join us for that next week. It's going to be a great time. Uh, In the meantime, follow us on social media and... Yeah, tell people about us because you know we're cool and we we uh, want more listeners. And walk right up to them and be like, "Hey, I know we haven't met before, but uh, 
you should listen to this podcast, and they'll be like, yeah. get away from me. <laughs> if you know any British folks born in the 1940s, tell them specifically about <laughs> this episode. <laughs> yeah. You know the guy who wrote this book? Tell him. Yeah, tell him. I'm sure he would love to listen to us. And then turn him, and then send him my way, because I would like to have him on tea, just so I can be like, tell me, sir. What were you thinking? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, Like I said, be sure to join us again next week. And until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And this has been Setting the Scheme. Y'all have a great week. (laughs) 